so, so, so scandalous. Anticipating something. Talking about the dance in your pants. You're listening to The Naughty Rude Show, Sin's home of sexuality, identity and relationships on Sin Nation. Hey guys, welcome to The Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. You're here again with Katie, hey. myself Danny <laughs> and Peter. Wait. <laughs> Wait. We're um, your regular hosts for... I guess the end of the year. Um, we've already done a couple of weeks together. We're here for the next few weeks, which is exciting. Um, we've got an awesome show coming up uh, later on in the show. Peter um, has organised a nice little interview for us. Oh What's my happening? Got a special guest. So over the phone, we'll be talking to um, Dan Chandler, who is a co-founder of Elephant Ed. Uh, they're a sex education program that I guess is like the new age woke version of sex ed going around. Um, and he's going to let us know a little bit about the headspace of kids who are getting sex ed in 2018. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. If you were it's, listening last, it's not your mum and dad. Yeah, if you were listening last week, we had a bit of a chat yeah, about sex we ed. Had a bit of a chat about contraception, especially like taking a bit of a queer lens to yeah. contraception and sex ed. So it'll be good to have a qualified professional rather than me talking about <laughs> shite. Like, it'll be good, it'll be good. And I can ask him for advice on how to tell the dudes. If you guys do things. want to get caught up on last week's episode, it is available at sin.org.au AU AU and obviously any radio apps that you have that are playing podcasts like a TuneIn app or Dab Plus, you can get them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Nice. We've actually got a pretty loaded show tonight. We're covering some heavy topics. We're going to be talking a little bit about religion later. Um, Katie's going to be talking about uh, un- like body, body modification. Modification. So we're yeah. going to be talking about all the, how to put the fantastic into plastic and <laughs> why people get plastic surgery and for what are the what are the broader more like social cultural based reasons why people get plastic surgery and what does the internet have to do with it? So yeah. it'll be it'll be an interesting one and. And then I think we're going to have a continuation of Peter and experience, like looking at sexcapades. Yeah, you're going like, to be leading that one. I live at home, so it's pretty. Uh, it can be pretty crazy, you know. Yeah. I like to think of myself as a sex chameleon. I can do it anywhere. It's like disappear, <laughs> come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, before we uh, let you guys know how you can contact us, we might just um, let you get to know us a bit better. So I'm Danny. I'm 22. I'm a bi person. Um, Katie. I'm a pansexual, lazy polyamorous person. <laughs> so uh, so kind of tied down right I'm now. I'm like I'm tied down. My boyfriend's coming back at the end of the week. He's been away for two months, and I've been oh, a wow. massive suck about it. Oh. So it'll be awesome. And yeah, uh, yeah. So she her pronouns, but doesn't matter too much to me. Cool. I am Peter, and I'm 21, and for the most part, straight, um, but have been swayed on the odd occasion. <laughs> kind of reflexible um, to I'm a bit, degree. I'm a bit flexy. Um, and I'm currently single and have been doing Naughty Rude for a couple seasons now. So quite well versed in the world of sex identity and relationships. Nice. So let's kick the ball off. Yes. Should we maybe just like get a tune to switch everyone up a little bit? And yes. then we'll get into some hard-hitting topical discussions. Yes. You're listening to the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. 
we just want to remind all of our listeners that you can get in contact with us throughout the show. Um, you can anonymously ask us any question that you like through um, the link thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. It was a bit of a quieter week last week, so hopefully we can get some more uh, audience participation uh, tonight. Rack it in, kids. We're ready. <laughs> don't be shy. We're here to help. It's anonymous. It's a safe space. Get and around it. you don't it. need to have a Tumblr account either, so if you just access through that link, it'll take you straight to the Cheeky Message Bank and you can start depositing some cheeky questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter, mate. 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 Hello. Um, okay, so I would like to talk about being a bit of a sex space chameleon. So sneaky sex advice with Peter. <laughs> um, what I mean by this is for the people who are less fortunate and don't have, I guess, the space to be naked every minute of the day and to have sex where they like, and what, when I say this, I mean... The privileged kids who live at home. Yeah. <laughs> Those unfortunate souls who still live at home. The less fortunate souls, yes. Um, I just want to know how you guys have gone about avoiding the, the family and creating a comfortable space when it isn't necessarily your bedroom. Or do you just kind of fuck the folks and do it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> um, I only had a couple of experiences this because I've lived out. I've had lived out of home for a while so first girlfriend like I didn't have we didn't really hook up at my place partly because I had a car and I would drive to see her and she lived like 45 minutes away and so it would be always at her place and she kind of had a bit more of her own space and her fam were really chill about it Mm. and it wasn't an issue my bed I didn't want to do it in because it literally like I breathed and it screamed (laughs) it was one of those really creaky single beds so I was like you know what this is not this is not the scene, this is not the mood, this is not what I want. So it just, her bed, like her bed was a mattress on the floor. So it was like, there's no, yeah. nowhere to go. It's like, this no is fine. No rebound, no reverb. No, it's bed. like, there's no, it's just kind of, and it's just, it's more chill. And the other, like, having sex in spaces that aren't your room is always interesting because I'm not one for like exhibitionism, but it's also like, sometimes you're just like, just want to. I just want to do it right now, and I'm like, I'm not. I'd sit in an inappropriate space, and you're like, God damn it! You got to find spaces. <laughs> Can I also yeah. say that I think I'm low key a germaphobe when it comes to sleeping in my bed and having sex. <laughs> I've only ever had sex in my bed once in the last like three years of my life. Wild. I know. <laughs> Um, I did one time when mum and dad were out of the house and I was so paranoid the entire time. That's it. Like, I just thought that I was going to get caught. And it was a 30-plus degree day. It was disgusting. I just, like, could smell everything afterwards. When he took (laughs) off the condom, I was like, don't fucking drop it on the floor. I'm like, swear to God, just pick up a tissue, pick up five. (laughs) You can go deposit that in the bin. Make sure it's at the bottom of the garbage bin. (laughs) Take your deposit and deposit it away from I'm very particular. I do get your feels though, Peter, because I still do live at home. Mm. I am lucky now though. Previously, I lived very close to my parents' bedroom. So, but now I'm very lucky. My brother and I are upstairs. So we're a bit more removed, you know. There's a degree Um, of separation. Yes. So a bit more sort of independence. But definitely in my younger years, it was pretty horrible. Just would avoid it at all costs. There's also like 
I don't know, a bit of prudence because my parents are old school Greeks. Mm. So I just can't bring people over no. and, you know, have that intention. It's just not going to happen. It's not the go. They'll, they'll know. They'll take one look at you and be like, what the heck do you yeah, think you're doing so under this roof? <laughs> as much as I'm like a little bit of a snotty when it comes to people being in my bed and being naked and fluids when <laughs> I'm outside of my house I could literally do it anywhere like if I'm comfortable with a person I'll bag them out about how dirty their sheets are but at the end of the day yeah. like oh. I'm dirtying their sheets so yeah. I don't care about it <laughs> as long as it's not mine I had to yeah. shame my boyfriend into changing his sheets but you always just have nasty. to they're just ridiculous I'm like, when was the last time you changed these sheets it's nasty months they yeah. wait months they wait months I'm like what the heck is wrong with it's you it's gross you're filthy you're filthy Stop that. you're nasty seriously months like literally yeah. oh I've met people who oh, I've met people worse yeah you no, don't even know man no. you don't even know you That's don't even know the okay. truth it's not it's not okay like, it ain't some people like it's a bit different though some people do it differently because his excuse is that his excuse is this is going to sound weird his excuse is he's Asian and so they shower every night before you go to bed no mate no. so it's like you're not you don't get your shoes as dirty which I understand because white people stink as a white person I know this like people <laughs> Like, you don't, like, some people just don't shower before they go to bed. And that's just, or, like, just wear, and some people have a thing of, like, outdoor clothes on the bed. They just know it's, like, a no-go. You're, like, you're in your pajamas on the bed or you're not in the bed. Mm. Like, that's sort of the deal. Yeah. And so that's very much the kind of go of it, which I'm, like, okay, I can understand, but but still, months is too long. And also, you can't control when your skin comes off your body. can't control it. Like, I'm a sweaty person. I'm, like, you're going to have to change it more often because I am sweaty. And it is 30 degrees. So I think other than... Obviously, being in my bed because I choose not to, I've become pretty flexible in the grand scheme of where I have sex. Uh, a laundry, um, several cars, yeah. parks, yep. you know, you name it, kids. I feel like cars are being like more and more normalised. Oh yeah, yeah. like cars it's a great. whole it's a whole trope now. It's like yeah. you take a car, you find somewhere to like get it on and like that way you can also mask like the sex noise stuff because you can play tunes mm-hmm. yeah although the steam thing is an issue but then you're like <laughs> it's interesting but then you're also like don't also don't just be like engage in safe sex but don't just like chuck your condoms out into the wilderness no, that's rude that's dispose rude. of it thoughtfully mm-hmm. yeah it says so on the carton mm-hmm. do as you're told and <laughs> i think i'm becoming a bit more picky though because now when i date people i think it's a prerequisite for them to live out of home just because i can't provide that yeah no i understand <laughs> no, i get that yeah yeah, yeah. So i cannot provide the sex space like when i was living on halls and stuff it was like is awkward because you know who's ha- who's having sex with who and you know and like it's very rare that you don't know who's pulled who the night mm. before like the next day everyone always knows which is why it was hilarious because me and my boyfriend were like shagging for like three months before people realized really because they just didn't pick it and yeah. i was like ha <laughs> but i knew who he was shagging before we hooked up because he lived in the room <laughs> above me and the floor like in the floor above me, right <laughs> above me and he left his window open and i was like she's loud <laughs> so I was like, which is good though. I'm like, it's a recommendation. I'm like, she's That's either yeah. Really yeah. faking it or he knows he's not completely horrible at sex. So mm. I'm like, I don't mind that. Some people be like, oh, isn't that weird? I'm like, nah. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Nah. I feel that. I feel that. If you guys have um, done the dirty in, in, the, in the dirty and have any recommendations <laughs> for me, as some would call a sex squatter, please do. <laughs> 
deposit your deposit in my inbox. Don't. Oh, 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 oh. And that is, I'm sorry, the naughty rude show.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Also, I've just, I've been on a dry spell, so I'm just going to say things. It's because it's I'm like desperate. the thirst is real. No, I feel that. Oh, like two months, though. We'll talk about that another time. Oh, dear. So anyway. thirsty. Let's go to another a track. Drop. While our inbox fills up, and by that I mean my inbox. <laughs> if you want to go on a date, you can also do that. Okay. <laughs> so you're listening to The Naughty Rude Show, and we're going to be talking what next, Danny? We're going to be talking about uh, religion. Sex yeah, and religion. Sex and religion. <laughs> Not just religion. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be, like, songs of praise. We're like be, We're not going to be, like, getting into, like, a real theological discussion about no. religion. We're going to be, well, I guess we're going to be we'll discussing see. it, but we're going to be, li- we're in the naughty root show. We're going to be, we're going to be tacking it from the filthy angle. Yeah. And if you have any perspectives on it before we begin, we can call on you during the show. Again, check out the Tumblr. It is the naughty root show. Dot .tumblr.com forward slash ask. And now... Pause for explanations <laughs> you and gotta, exclamations. you got to have the... Build up the anticipation. That's right. you got to do it. And we're going to have Like a Prayer by Madonna. Yeah, we are. You're listening because to the Naughty Road Show. <laughs> Sin Nation, Madonna. Ooh, yeah. We're going to be getting a bit spiritual, getting a bit religious with Danny. Danny, <laughs> Danny. what have you got in store for us today? going to talk a little bit about how I feel religion can negatively affect, you know, our sort of sexual awakening, our mm-hmm. kind of adolescence. Um, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and hate on religion. I think it can yeah. be, you know, a beautiful thing. I'm just talking from my experience and that's that. Um, so I grew up in sort of quite a Catholic family. I come from an Irish Catholic background. Um, but I was sort of growing up sort of stuck between two worlds because I went to just sort of regular public school, public high school and everything. But every Sunday we were shipped off to Sunday school. I think it was somewhat shipped. a babysit ac- activity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of keep us out of the house because I do have three older brothers. Um, so like- pretty hackers growing up. But um, it's just like get away from me get and away get from me. an afternoon Mom and Dad wanted you to be spiritual while they weren't. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I think when I was thinking back on sort of my childhood, a lot of the thoughts that I was thinking about, I don't think are necessarily exclusive to a, a religious upbringing, but um, I don't remember being, like, traumatised or ever sort of, you know, um, told that, you know, sexuality was an inherently bad thing or anything like that. So I I didn't grow up in like a devoutly, strictly religious Mm. home, but I just sort of had um, that influence kind of always sort of in the back of my mind, especially when I was younger. Like I'm an atheist now, like I'm all goods Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) I'm all good. I found the light. (laughs) But um, yeah, and like I think, I don't know, you guys can chime in here, but I just remember like thinking things like, are people having sex, you know, before marriage? Yeah. Um, is it normal, you know, to be curious and, you know, um, watch porn on the internet when you're sort of around the prepubescent age? Or um, is masturbation normal? And, like, especially when you live in a world where all those sorts of things are normalised on TV and in the media and things. But like. then, you like, I remember for me, then... Um, especially with my dad, like asking him, oh, do you believe in sex before marriage? And he was like, well, no, that's part of being Catholic. And I was like, well, okay. But like, I know like people, you know, (laughs) they bang before marriage. Like it's a normal thing. It's like, 
people root before they get it in writing. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. It's just what's done. And, but I think it is interesting. It's like, I think last episode we established that I have been a pervert from a very young age. <laughs> yeah, I think we so called ourselves from, wankers, like, yeah, from a young from age. Wankers <laughs> from a young age. So, like, in terms of, like, I think, like, when you're in that prepubescent and then pubescent stage, when your body's starting to be like, yo, this is a thing that's happening, mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa, no. And so there's a degree of... Because I remember, like like the whole masturbation thing is like I was doing it before I knew what it was and then mm. kind of learning about it in bits and pieces afterwards and there is that sense of shame because you don't know what you're doing yep. even without like I don't grow up religious at all and so it was like even before like when you don't have that sometimes you kind of have that bit of like oh should I be doing this because it feels good but I don't know what this is or what it means mm. and so I think like and also depending on where you get your information from like I got like a little bit of sex ed when I was like five or six from like my cousin who was an 11 year old boy <laughs> who was like looking at porn who just was trying to so imagine like an 11 year old who has a vague idea of what porn is and has watched maybe a couple of videos trying to explain to a five year old what sex is which is different from porn but yeah. not understanding like certain things about it and I remember being like huh so that's a thing <laughs> that happens yeah I feel yeah. like even though it's pretty normalised within the media and TV I was still apprehensive to do anything myself because of the values that were I guess impacted and inflicted on me mm. from parents who consider themselves to be quite religious but aren't necessarily to the book or um, yeah 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 or devoutly religious as you would say your family probably wasn't as hectic either yeah yeah um and i had friends who went to sunday schools and went to like youth programs and camps and things like that but they were such sexual fiends and yeah. <laughs> like that's a thing yeah, yeah. it is a thing Ooh. and like that half of she talk about how sexually i guess plump everyone was like the sexual tension was just in the room was hectic and then she would like every now and then find out rumors about some of their uh counselors and things like that and you're just like oh well is it a lie like why are there these fronts of really i guess inherent values and morals that are meant to be passed down when everyone's fucking up at it yeah so when i started like dating someone i was in year eight I had, like, always kind of held myself back. My, I guess, background has been Greek Orthodox is a bit misogynist in the way that if you're a female, you're not meant to enjoy Mm -hmm. your sexuality. Um, And so a lot of today, even being, like, overtly sexual, my uncles hate. My aunties are scared when I bring up things in conversations because of how their husbands will react. Mm. And, like, my older cousin constantly watches me like a hawk like talks shit to me because he's a man and he's like over 30 but I can't say that because I'm young and have great parents so then I started dating someone and I didn't know anything about my body or what I enjoyed and kind of felt the pressure to I guess get a bit more of a sexual awakening I didn't want to have sex with him I was a bit of a prude when I was young I would have been like 14 at this stage but I started like I guess, masturbating, but not really knowing that I was. Mm-hmm. But I mm. felt awful about it. Like, yeah. yeah. And I couldn't talk to my mum about masturbation really ever. And I tell my mum everything. Um, and so even today, like, I'll tell my mum everything about sex, but not masturbation. Like, I just okay. feel like it's a weird... I feel like... It's a weird... It's a personal thing. That's thing. odd. Yeah. Like, I'm open about everything, but I cannot talk about that. Yeah. With my mum. Yeah, because <laughs> I found that when I was, like... 
because that was I was a lot younger like I was like I think 10 or 11 but I was having that same idea when you're like trying to figure out what your body's doing and what it wants and you're like I feel awful about this and I don't know why because mm. like getting into high school it's like I remember having conversations where it's like girls don't masturbate I'm like well, then what the fuck am I doing yeah, yeah. like <laughs> and I think like what you were saying Peter um like, a lot of people, I think, who don't come from a religious background get it a bit twisted. They think that we're constantly being, like, preached at, being mm. told, you know, sex is bad, masturbation's bad, queerness is bad, da 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 But it's more like we were saying this kind of, especially when you're younger, kind of subtle, hard-to-put-your-finger-on kind of shame and confusion yeah. and, like, repression. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, yeah, I never grew up with, you know, sort of, like a traumatizing experience in terms of religion. It was more just kind of a weird relationship yeah. with like and even though we tend to find out that our parents were a bit cheeky or like that generation was cheeky. Like my yeah. dad was in a band. He was so debaucherous and my mum like yeah. brags about it and she's yeah. like, Don't even worry about him. Like he's just scared that you're doing exactly what he did. Yeah. But in my head I'm like, Well you shouldn't be scared because he was allowed to do that. So why is it a rite of passage for him but not for me? That was hmm. one of the funniest things I've ever seen actually. It was like Robert Downey Jr. after his daughter was born, a reporter was like, Well you know what they say about like fathers having daughters like well it's like it's because when you have a daughter you realize what that you did you, what girls. you were at the it's like playboy saying having daughters realize what they've done to all the women in yeah. their lives and realize that's going to happen to the daughter and his face just went white and he's like i have to go now and <laughs> like, they flip it and make it as if you're not respecting yourself when you talk so openly and are more sexualized like for instance my cousin he can talk so much about what he's done with women but if I do it's like you need to have more respect for yourself like you can do it but you can do it in quiet and it's like oh, 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 you're oh, again no. yeah it's like no Daryl that's not what's gonna no, happen but <laughs> like, I'm gonna be loud and proud yeah, and, and talk I think about that's my just like, dick appointments it all comes I want. from Thank you. a national a nationality thing and a religious thing And it's just so annoying how contradicting religion can be because there's a set of rules, but no one abides by every single one of them. Religion's like the English language. It's like (laughs) there are rules, but there are a lot of exceptions to the rules. There's a lot of slang. And there's a lot of like, and it can change at any time. And I feel like it's, like, that intersection between, like, culture and religion mm. and, like, it impacts because, like, you'll have, like, people who might be from the same religion but have completely different nationalities or cultural backgrounds and they'll have different ideas about sex. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how it is. And I think it's interesting because there's a lot of films coming up recently like Boy Erased, yeah. like Shameless and Miseducation of Cameron Post, which is another one where it's about looking at um, conversion and, like, sexuality reassignments or effectively. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... Nah, because people are like having these religious bases and there's a lot of people who aren't qualified at all. And it's like this idea of like you can be brainwashed or manipulated into not feeling a certain way about sex or yeah. about who you're attracted to. And it's kind of interesting because there's been talk about it, but then that's not been like our experience of sex and religion. But I know some people who it's a really big deal for them because it, they can't separate religion and culture and religion and family mm. when it comes to sex. Yeah, I think it's yeah. definitely intertwined heavily. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to weigh up on any of these issues come culture, religion and sex or sexuality, then please slip into the naughtyridgeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask um, and we'll check back in maybe after a few songs. Mm. Yeah. This is Naughty Rude on Sin Nation. 
and we're going to get stuck into a Tumblr question. So the question is, hey guys, I recently ended a relationship due to numerous difficulties in the bedroom on my part. So this being a male, I couldn't get it up, which I know is a common problem with guys, but a part of me thinks it's because I wasn't attracted to her as I should have been and might have been lying to myself about it subconsciously the whole time. Have you ever done this? Um, I no. don't have a penis. <laughs> have it, does yeah. it mean has it ever happened to me? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever like mm. felt like that about a partner? Uh, no, it hasn't happened to me, but there's a lot happening in this question because... Yeah. There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> I think um, a lot of heterosexual men... When it comes to sex, do believe that it's penis and vagina and also are quite insecure with their anatomy. Just generally, mm-hmm. boys have not really been, I guess, so flaunted and, like, beheld like women's bodies have. Yeah. I think women's bodies have been objectified, but they've also been, like, you know, put on the podium, yeah. like, yes, this is a woman, like, titties, bum, woo. There's certain <laughs> things that are, like, yeah, because as, like, as a man, like, what do you wear to feel sexy as a man? Yeah. Like, because, yeah. like, you have laundry, you have, like, dresses and certain things that you wear as a femme person that you're like, I feel sexy in this. Mm. And that's different for everyone. Yeah. But as a man, sometimes it's like, how if do I, I don't make, have the rig, how do I'm I make myself sexy? look sexy? Mm. It's like... Also, I think in terms of getting it up, there are a lot of factors. Alcohol, drugs, um, depression, meds, smoking. There are so many factors that can actually inhibit your ability to maintain a hard-on. Yeah. There's just so much research to back that, that you can be as attracted to your partner as you like possibly could be, and it will still impact your ability mm-hmm. to maintain a boner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's a continuing problem, you put mental pressure on yourself yeah. to be like, I need to get it up, I need to get up. And that makes it so much harder because you're stressed now about your sexual prowess. Mm-hmm. And that's like... And I think that's, and that happens for like on, doesn't matter if you're a bloke, doesn't matter if you have a penis, doesn't matter if like whatever, you can be, if you're stressed about sex, you're not going to get aroused and it's going to be harder to maintain that kind of either erection or like whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah, well that's actually, because as Peter was saying, yes, all those factors um, do play a part, but I think especially, um, I just think we're living in a time where social anxiety Mm -hmm. is a lot higher. Oh yeah. And what I was going to say is, um, I think when you are having sex, um, actually more so in the foreplay stage of things, just being aware of trying to be sort of in the moment yeah. and not... Because um, I just thought of a personal experience where it was kind of taking me longer than usual in foreplay um, to get aroused. But I sort of um, identified that and was like, it's fine, it's just taking a bit longer this mm-hmm. time, just try to enjoy it. And once I sort of just accepted that, it was all fine after that, you know, like all systems Mm. go. Also, being fully aware of, like, being self-aware but not self-conscious. And, like, there's been, like, excellent stories around, like, guys who are either not maybe as well endowed or are maybe, like, but or maybe can't get it up for easily or as long, but because they're very secure in their sexuality and their ability in other areas to get their partner off and to have sex and have intimacy in other ways, that it doesn't matter and it's still a really enjoyable experience for everyone involved. And I would also say that perhaps this person has a low-key fear of intimacy. Like maybe they're going into a relationship and they're scared of developing feelings or maybe they're scared of the long term and what could potentially happen. 
and that overcomplication of my life's changing, I'm entering a new phase with someone can definitely... I guess self sabotage in a way. Well, yeah, definitely. If because if say um, when this happened to you, you were having sex after you'd sort of been together for a while and developed quite an emotional connection, mm. and so you know the sex wasn't as kind of like, kind of sort of fantasy like as, in, as yeah. in the beginning. Maybe yeah, the sort of uh, emotional connection kind of scared this person a little bit and then they started overthinking it and, and then that affected yeah. their performance. I just think that this person needs to reflect on the attributes of the relationship that were out of the bedroom a little bit more because I think also ending a relationship because of issues in the bedroom, like I wonder how long this relationship was. Um mm-hmm. If it wasn't very long, then I think there needs to be further assessment. I just don't know if that's a good enough yeah. Yeah. reason. Just don't overthink it as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, because I think some people have an idea of how they should feel like in love or in lust with people. And they should mm-hmm. have an idea, like Danny said, about like what sex should be like and what the fantasy is. And like sex isn't the fantasy. No. It's like you've got you've to gotta live your fantasy. You've got to make it. You've got to find ways to make sex and intimacy more fun for you. But it's not... You're not gonna. F- you might think you're gonna feel a certain way when you're in a relationship, and you might not, and that's fine. But yeah. to go and overthink it and be like, "Oh, I'm lying to myself subconsciously," like, no, that's not. First of all, that's not how the subconscious works. No, right? I like, think you know whether or not you're attracted. You can't to lie to yourself yeah. subconsciously. You, you can avoid a problem, but you can't really like actively go. I'm going to tell myself lies because that's consciously doing that. Um, as someone who's experienced difficulties in the bedroom with people that. I've been with um it was never like a deal breaker for me um I don't know how he would have felt about it Mm. maybe that's what contributed to us breaking up I would Mm. like to think it didn't but um as someone who had like really great sex once we kind of worked it out and then sometimes it dipped back down I didn't really have a problem with that kind of not knowing and no security in the sexual department because I still cared about the person. And, like, you can't, you know, perform to your best all the time. All the time. You're going to have your good days and your bad yeah. days. Like, you might have done leg day the day before and then you're just like, I am really out of commission. It's like, I may have a whole lot of testosterone, but my legs are broken. I'm sorry. Yeah. And <laughs> I think... It's just <laughs> But also, and like people with penises, just like don't get caught up in a false sense of masculinity. And if you can't get it up, that you're any less of a man or whatever. We're all human. You're always every everyone's gonna um, encounter obstacles in the bedroom. Mm. It's a part of being human, Mm -hmm. and it's a part of like exploring your sexuality more. And it should lead to more communication with your partners to enhance the sexual experience even more. As someone who's like quite sexually. Around, um, <laughs> around a around. bit of a flush. Um, it's like I've been. I'm around the I'm sexuality. Around. I get around it. I, I think I'm a pretty good looking <laughs> chook. And can uh, confirm. There are sometimes guys who don't get it up the first time we try, or the second time, or the third time. But like it gets there, and I, it, it doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not the two people are attracted to each other. It's just it's a very internal insecurity and it's can also it's also a physiological thing yeah yeah lots of factors would recommend checking out lukewarm sex with luke mcgregor on netflix it was like a 2016 show um there's an episode that unpacks this uh and it is 100 normal also if your penis isn't doing what you want to do or it's not big enough for your partner's liking just go out and buy another one 
Yes. And then you can just have a rotation going. And that way you, you can like be like, well, this one's like not, this one's subbed out. And then you can like, you've got an extra player in the bedroom. <laughs> in. Also, you have hands. I'm sorry, but you have hands. If someone's like, you could figure it out. Figure it out. Honestly. Listener, thank you so much. Um, we really unpacked that. I really, yeah, we, we did. We got like, into it. It kind of hit like, me you know real what? hard. It was low key triggered. I don't know if you're my ex boyfriend, <laughs> but if you are. F you. <laughs> and if you're not... And if you're not... Well, get it together. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it out, but yeah. like, don't overthink it. It's just a penis at the end of the day. <sighs> I think... I, I think that's enough. I, I think that's enough. I think we need a bit of... I, need, I think we need to debrief her. Yeah. <laughs> Got a question? Hit us up at the thenaughtyrootshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Naughty Root Show, Sin Nation. You're here with myself, Danny, Peter and Katie. We just heard the poppin' new Christmas track from Confidence Man. Poppin'. Yeah. Um, what's the name of it? Santa's coming down the chimney. So many yes. feels about wow. this song. It's just, it's timely and it's jolly and it's also a little <laughs> bit dirty. Love it's, that. It's kind of what we're all into, really, isn't it? It's like very much the Naughty Rude theme. It's a bit irreverent, a bit sexual. It's a bit, it's a bit, a bit of everything. everything. Speaking of, well, this is slightly less irreverent and sexual, but it comes through there. Hey. Um, we're, <laughs> oh my God, we're having some chords touching some things, which is like <laughs> happening, but we're, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking body modification, which is a bit fun and a bit hectic and it's inspired sorry this is like musical chairs but also like snakes and ladders with chords they can't so say like, it don't say it <laughs> but it's beautiful it's like a real beautiful dance just that we're like working. human tetris but we're, yes. we're kicking it we're kicking it we're kicking it but we're going to be talking a bit about plastic surgery and why and how people get it done and it's partly inspired by the recent tattoo expo but Mainly just because it's an interesting topic. Yeah. So, what is plus like? What do you guys consider body modification to start off with? Well, well, I think people to begin with, there needs to be um, a, a differentiation between plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery, mm-hmm. because you know a lot of people who are, say burns victims or have um, mm. suffered other sorts of things require plastic surgery or mm. I think even if some people breast who, cancer yeah, yeah exactly like breast reconstruction is mm-hmm. definitely one of those things yeah and like I think that's the thing people because it all comes under the umbrella of plastic surgery because it's the same all the same techniques yep. but there's like elective cosmetic and aesthetics purely aesthetic versions yeah and sometimes I think it's the reason why people get them done as well so you can have like purely aesthetic ones like um face feminization surgery but that can be really integral to someone a trans person feeling really at home in their body so Mm. it can actually be used as a treatment and whether it's facial reconstruction can also be used for like burns victims or people who like gunshot victims and stuff like that there Mm. is a lot of uses for the same kind of technique. Having established that, though, I still don't think that we should, like, demonise cosmetic surgery. Not at all. Yeah. Not ab- I'm not about that. I'm like, do what you want as long as you don't expect me to do it. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like, I don't care because it's your face, you're an adult. Safe, sane and consensual, that's kind of my motto for most things. It shouldn't have an impact on social standards of beauty, um, which I believe that at times it can. Mm-hmm. Things like collagen injections have kind of become a standard of beauty which uh, has been I guess heightened by the Kardashians Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
and people in the public eye. Um, and other things probably cop a bit of stigma, which is also just on the other end of the spectrum, to have a negative perception from, uh, yeah, a social standard and perspective of beauty. Yeah, it definitely does also come into play of, I know this gets talked about a lot, but a discussion of cultural appropriation as well, especially yeah. mm. when talking about Kardashians, things like lip enhancements and... And, um, like, like silicon in plants with for like breasts and butt and stuff like that and it's also like also there's been a thing recently which i'm going to call black fishing which is a bit difficult because i think the term that's being used online is n-word fishing and basically it's where instagram models make themselves up like with um lip injections and darker foundations and hair treatments and wigs and stuff to make them look like mixed race black women but they're white women from often from like Eastern European and like European kind of mm. countries rather wow. than the US, which is interesting because obviously you'd get kind of rightfully crucified if you did that in the yeah. US. Yeah. And so it's like, and people are kind of laying it at the feet of people like Kylie Jenner and the Kardashians with like ideas of what is acceptable, how far can you push your face to look like another face and yeah. why do you do it? You say that because you could have a look at, um, Kylie Jenner, for example, probably enhancing her features to look more European, like her sisters who are from a European background. I think, yeah, Armenian. Mm, Armenian. Yeah, they're yeah. Armenian, but that's the thing. In the US, they're counted as white people, but in Europe, or if you're Armenian, you're a person of colour. Mm. So it's like, because yeah. they're on that border between Turkey and the Middle right. East and Europe. And because Kylie Jenner like had the lip injections and then she had like the body sort of like augmentation sort of stuff. And yeah. like a colouring as well. She Her was very coloring, pale. She was very pale and then she became quite dark. Mm. And so did um, Kim Kardashian. However, like it is interesting because certain people can change skin tone depending on the season. Like some people yep. just tan r- really well. That's also an excuse used by white people. But like especially Southeast Asian people, there's a real... Because that's still a thing that exists there is like the whole skin colouring and skin bleaching yeah. thing is a massive issue both in Southeast Asia, in South Asia and in Africa and in the US as well. I think it's also it's such a delicate um, issue. And I think what more needs to occur is looking sort of at the global systemic issue of, you mm-hmm. say, cultural appropriation. Because and if, colorism, I guess, as well, yeah, within the specific one. Because when you're, say, targeting one female in the public eye, say, Kylie Jenner, and, you know... She's not ruth- responsible for, like, historical... Yeah, rights. and ruthlessly criticising her. And especially mm. if... Because I know that she's spoken about a lot of um, this... Uh, kind of modifications comes from a place of insecurity mm-hmm. and from um, the beauty world, you know, inflicting these standards upon her. Because I think she took her lip injections out after she had her kid because she was like, oh, I can't, I think she had a change of heart. And that is so- about how she presents herself to the world in mm-hmm. light of having her kid and stuff because her kid is a mixed race black baby. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really important to like, you can't lay the entire colorism or like cultural appropriation for body parts which is when you put it like that it's kind of fucked up but Mm. like you can't lay that at the feet of the kardashians that's not helpful Mm. it's also really regressive it's not constructive at all and if they're prepared to you know educate themselves more on the issue and Mm -hmm. if they do better yeah that's really right i just um it's like the first time i've really thought about 
this whole perspective of cultural appropriation through modification, um, yeah, it was just seemingly something that I kind of matched up, like seeing the more Armenian side of the family versus the more American and how they've kind of blurred lines. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as a viewer, it is, you can see that. Not to... um, disenfranchise them um but it it does seem like yeah there was a place of insecurity there and Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate um and the fact that even people to that standard of celebrity can still feel impacts by the beauty standards of our culture and society it's messed up yeah and it even um occurs this sort of scrutiny occurs on um for people of color as well for example um azealia banks who's an american rapper um she's a person of color and she's Controversial individual, but mm-hmm. it's still interesting to talk about. It. Yeah. It has some interesting opinions. And she um, uh, went public with, I think, um, sort of a battle with sort of having, I think it was sort of acne or sort of skin conditions. And a way to resolve that was to bleach her skin. To make even out the skin tone, mm. yeah. And it was purely for that reason. Because that can happen, like, especially um, if you have more melanin in your skin, Some like, if you have acne scarring, it's usually darker or pitted compared to the mm. rest of your skin. Mm. And if you have melanin in your skin, what happens is you can get really dark spots and really dark discolorations. So it's more obvious. And so one of the easier ways to do that is to, like, even it out with skin treatments yep. so that, it, like you were saying, it matches. But that is something that's more prevalent and it also can have keloid scarring as well if you have more melanin in your skin. Yeah. So it can be raised. And so it's, it is quite difficult having acne. Yeah, and like people in the media were notice, noticing that her complexion was lightening and she was being called out for people thinking that she was trying to lighter her skin to uh, maybe... Well, even Michael impro- Jackson, like back, to, mm. back, thrown away back, like... There was people like have had like these really people skin who are in the me- in the media have had skin conditions who are like people of color who are black have had to deal with this for a long time. Mm. It's real sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, really good discussion. Good discussion, guys. <laughs> Loved it. If you guys do yeah. want to weigh in on any of that, um, or even just an odd question that you've been thinking of and want our thoughts on the matter, then please do contribute to the Tumblr page. And if you do want to reach us, that's the naughtyroodshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask, and you can just chuck over an anonymous question. You don't have to have a Tumblr account, and we'll talk about it. But for now, we'll go over to a song. Sugar and spice and everything nice. Guys, we are still going with some naughty roots and we're going to talk now about social situations and as we get older and friendship groups and the change how to end up not like a crazy old cat lady with no friends not alone there's nothing wrong with that though there is when your body explodes after you've died and three <laughs> days later all your cats eat your remains that's like, real sad oh my God. like that's pretty sad <laughs> man it's dark and let's gloomy. keep things a bit lighter <laughs> for tonight but before we do dive into it the naughty show.tumblr.com forward slash ask is where you can ask us all your questions about your lonely and sad existence. Yeah. We're happy <laughs> I've got a bit of a bone to pick with our listeners, though. I've got a like, bit of a bone to pick, guys. Shocking contribution today. Like, I understand that we don't have a hotline. I understand it's not an easy URL, but we are some we're clever brains and we're here to help. Please deposit in the inbox. We are waiting. That word is just so tainted now. You know what else is a tainted word and that should be banned? I'm looking at you, Bruce McAvoy, of the AFL commentary team. Um, Penetration. 
should Ooh. not not a good enough use of the word. Does he use that in his commentary? He's like good penetrating kick oh, of the back line. Yeah. I'm like no. That's some sexual First of repression all, shit there. Oh, he is so it's 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 dirty. It's some uh, dirty Brucey. Bruce. It's Bruce. like Ugh. if he doesn't climax at least once a quarter, it's not a game. Katie. It's not good sport. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to AFL and the homoerotic I actually did an art piece about this. We looked at the, the homoerotic semi- semiotics of the AFL football <laughs> culture. <laughs> It was great. I got, though, I, got ta- I got to tattoo penises on oranges. It was, and I got a HD for it at uni. Heck yeah. Welcome to life. Best course ever. Wicked. Um, yeah, speaking of having friends. no friends, I don't have any. Do you wonder why? <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, on Naughty Roo tonight, we're just having a chat about, because, yes, we're young people. Like, I'm 22, Pidya, 21. Yeah. Katie, 20, 23. 23. So we're all relatively young, but, you know, we are, you know, growing up, maturing, becoming adults, learning how to adult in this life. Like and that, fine wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And with that, it means that we have a lot more responsibilities and things to balance in our lives. And it was making me think about how we maintain friendships, uh, specifically older friendships from school and things like that. And I guess... Um, do we make an, should we make an effort to sort of spread ourselves a bit thinner and kind of maintain all of our close friendships or narrow it down and, you know, focus more on our career or study or can you have it all? Like, what do you guys think? How do you be the true working woman? Can you have it all? <laughs> <laughs> Danny, answer this let's question. Let's not worry about kids for the moment. Um, let's, yeah, talking about... Friendship groups, I definitely tend to spread myself thin when it yeah, comes to friendship too. groups. And I've had friends, like, ask me in the past, like, how do you do it? How did it happen? Because we feel quite stuck. So I think it is generally considered to be your friendships will come from a place of high school or primary school or your childhood, and they will generally stick But for most of us, I think it's really important to understand how you evolve from that phase of your life. Mm. I've done a lot of growing up since I was in high school and more so since I was in primary school. So a lot of my friendships that I have maintained are because those people have also, I guess, matured and created the same interests in life that I have. But in thinking about who I am now, it's all to do with maybe my occupations, where I've studied, where I've travelled and who I've met along the way and just generally I I think I'm in a broader social surrounding because I keep myself busy and I at times although I feel like I know a lot of people in different areas and they're good for different things because I'm not with that same person every single day sometimes you'd feel like you don't have your equal and someone who shares in everything Mm. I think that's Mm. what I miss from it all like, because, like, when you're in primary school and high school, you have an allotted time with your every friends single every single day. Yeah. And when you become an adult and you're doing more things, it's harder to get together. And, mm. like, it's... The internets can be helpful in the internets. The internet mm. can be helpful for that, but also it can make people quite flaky at times. And that's yeah. kind of difficult to try and make sure that it's a reciprocal relationship. And, like... Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to have lots of friends that you're not that close with rather than having, like, a handful of really good friends Mm. that you can be, like, you can be really real with. Because I think that sometimes people struggle because they're, like, they can't just go to their mate and be, like, I am... It's, like, oh, it's, like, oh, how are you? It's, like, I am having the worst time of my life right now. And people sometimes don't know how to deal with that or you don't feel comfortable, like, exposing yourself Mm. to your friends that way. And so, because I... 
like I grew up in Scotland and then I grew up in Perth and then I grew up I moved again so like I've I keep in contact with one friend from primary school in Scotland who's like my sister from another mister but mm-hmm. and it's like I see her every five years and I talk to her I don't I'm not one of those people that I'm if I'm there I'm there but if I'm like on the other side of the world I'm not necessarily going to talk to you that mm. often mm. but I still think about her a lot and I care about her a lot I have the same situation with a friend that yeah. I met on exchange and it's like difficult because then like in primary school in Perth like I deliberately meant went to a different high school because mm. I want to I don't want to be here I want to see different people and like experience different things and there's a bit of a wanker about it, but hey, we already established this. <laughs> but then, like, even from then going from high school crossing country to come over here, it means that you have, like, I've ended up losing friendships just because I've been a lazy shithead and not <laughs> actually made the effort to maintain those relationships. And other ones, like, it's good that I can maintain with. Like, my yeah. ex-girlfriend, actually, is someone I met in high school and we were best friends in high school and then we started dating afterwards and she's still one of my best mates to this day she's like one she I love her and I happily say I love my ex but in a very platonic way it's like Romeo Romeo I love you but no homeo not anymore (laughs) so it's like it's difficult because I have like handfuls I have pockets of people and they kind of activate when I'm within range to be honest and then over here, it's kind of the same deal. I've got like a handful of really close people and they're a lot of acquaintances. And I think yep. it depends on what you function with. Like I can kind of do long periods of isolation, but if I've got those handful of people, whether as my boyfriend, for example, he was living out in Mornington, which is like mm. a two and a half hour bu- bus slash train ride. It sucks. And he was finding he was really struggling because he didn't have anyone to talk to. Mm. And he was really struggling with that isolation because he needs people and he needs new people. He needs to, like, explore and experience all the different types of people. Whereas I'm like, I'm going to be at home and be a grandma. Yeah. I think I'm very lucky in having friends, um, like, close, quite a few different friendship groups who I've been friends with for probably over, like, four years. So we're all at that stage where we can see each, not see each other yeah. for extended periods and then um, see each other after the break and it's totally fine um and i think also um like i don't know i guess uh, with in terms of high school friends as well for me like if i enjoy spending time with you i'm still going to invest my time in the relationship um even if we're on sort of different paths or whatever for me i try to not let that become a factor because i Mm -hmm. also want to be exposed to different types of people throughout my life so like i've got quite a few friends who you know um sort of floated around a bit after high school or went straight into work but i tried not to let that get in the way because Mm -hmm. they're not any less important than me just because i you know went off to uni or whatever like yeah Yeah, because that can happen people get into their wanker face and they're like oh you're not as valuable to me because you're not in the same boat as i am and that's not true at all because like if you don't have different types of people from different parts of your life then you kind of lose that grip with you need diversity like like it's like going back to like science it's like an environment you've flourishes if you've got biodiversity and that's the same with friendships you need different types of people you can learn things things from everyone i think it's like it's so crap that some people will think of the distance between the last times you saw each other and then just drop you off and just 
cut it out. Yeah. And Friendship that sucks. Just Friendship to me. ghosting hurts more yeah, than relationship like when I was yeah. romantic relationship for exchange, ghosting. like it wasn't really my choice to stop being in contact strongly with my friends. Coming back home was really hard to be back involved in like all the gatherings and like the social meetups and things with our extended high school group because they just kind of forgot about me but I knew who my close friends were and so they were maintained and and I've got this balance of the people that I know I can trust and always rely on despite being with them every day or not and the people that are probably just like the floaters who it's like sometimes you gotta prune, you. <laughs> you gotta prune a branch sometimes and like if it's not working it's not working yeah and that's sometimes it and there's you don't need to get all salt you don't don't make it worse just like either deal with it or don't mm, mm. Mm, just don't make it worse but yeah so. yeah I think that was a fairly like level-headed discussion actually about oh, we're being very so much, rational we're being tonight, rational, aren't we? not so much naughty rude and more just you know this segment was nice this was a bit of a wholesome <laughs> well, like here's lie. how to be here's how to have a have a real look we're about real things we're gonna bring it back with some with some naughty and a bit of sex after we go to a song break, we're going to be talking to Dan Chandler, who is a co-founder of a company called Elephant Ed, and they are going around and making high school students woke AF in the world of sex ed, identity ed, just everything ed that you don't get taught in schools mm-hmm. in the generic programs. So I particularly want to know about, I guess, the perceptions that a lot of young students have in the world of sex today and how they're being changed by I guess more woke individuals from our generation because how Dan millennials is a, an early 20 year old. <laughs> millennials taking over the sex ed game. I love it. I love it a lot but until then we're going to go to some queen crazy little thing called love. I'm Please. still coming off my Bohemian Rhapsody high. <laughs> You're listening to the Naughty Root Show on Sin Nation. Ooh yeah. And right now, coming to you live, in your home, in your car, wherever you are, wherever you're streaming. Right across Australia. Right across Australia. We have a bit of a sex spurt. It's Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Peter. Hey, Danny. Hey, Katie. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. No, thank you. No problems at all. Listeners, Dan is a co-founder of a brilliant company doing some fantastic things around Melbourne at the moment, Elephant Ed. Uh, so a sex education program run through, is it high schools and primary schools, Dan? Yes, yeah, so just secondary schools. Oh, cool. So just the secondary schools at this stage, but world domination very soon, I'm sure. <laughs> That's the dream. So what we do want to find out a bit about is through your experiences, I guess, being interactive when it comes to the topics of sex and identity around secondary schools in Australia, I just, we want to know the perception of students at the moment. Where are their heads at? Are they really, I guess, as ignorant to everything that us woke millennials and Gen Zs are at? Or are they they a step above? Like, are they little prodigies and are they super open and are they asking questions? So... What I really do want to kind of find out is what are the problems that you're noting in these students' perceptions of sex and identity, but what are also their strengths? Great question, Peter. I have met some unbelievable students. Yeah. Sorry, in my time. Um, And there is a little bit of misconception when it comes to high school students because they probably don't get the credit that they deserve. And we were all in, in their position as young people, Um, at one time or another. Young people are smart. 
and they yeah. probably don't get the credit. They really are smart. Um, they're also really curious. They, teenagers are a very, very curious creature. Um, <laughs> and at that age, they want to know things. It becomes less about why. You know, when, when someone's really young, they ask why, why, why. And you can give an answer and they'll ask why again. But as you get a little bit older, you start to ask how. And you want to know how things work. Um, to kind of answer your question directly, there's a really large spectrum of students across, um, in every classroom, in every year level, in every school, you've got your students that know an incredible amount and are so incredibly mm -hmm. knowledgeable. You have some students that maybe don't really care, maybe they're not mature enough to, to really understand, and then you have some students that know less than less. Yeah. Um, there really isn't, um, you know, a, a typical answer to that question. Yeah, I can imagine it would just be like such a different experience every day in every single classroom. Um, and you do teach a broad selection of programs. Which programs are the most popular at the moment and what do you cover in the content? It's a great question. I, I think what we've tried to do is kind of flip sex education on its head. So it's become less about teachers standing at the front of the class putting a condom onto a banana. <laughs> and that's kind of the typical sex education that I know a lot of Australian students have, have gone through. Um, we try to make it as relevant and as inclusive and as progress, uh, progressive as we possibly can. A lot of the time, sex education can be incredibly heteronormative. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> ignoring a whole lot of gender diverse and sexualities that are statistically actually sitting in that classroom. Yeah. And that's not okay. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about consent because consent isn't something that should be learned at university in someone's first sexual experience. Consent is something that should be spoken about at a four-year-old uh, classroom. Um, these sorts of things about pornography and gender theory, um, sexuality, all these sorts of things that are so relevant to young people today and we're trying to introduce that to the classroom. What do you think are the most important takeaways that you want students to take home with them when they finish a program? I think probably that everyone's on their own journey in life, that there's no normal. Um, and that includes sexual journey. Um, in 2018, there are just silly amounts of social pressure that young people have and, and this idea of, of fitting into what is normal. I guess the, the biggest key takeaway from our workshop is that life is just one big spectrum and there are people in life who may be really sexually active at a, at a young age um, and then other people might only become sexually active at 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 and some people might never become sexually active and that's okay. And I guess that's what we're trying to tell students is that no matter what choice you do, as long as you're comfortable and as long as it works for you, then you're normal, you're great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is so wholesome. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. And although we've, you were sort of saying that everyone is on their own paths, have you noticed um, throughout your um, conducting the courses that there have been particular concepts or issues that um, the majority of students have been um, wanting to learn about? I think, I think um, to be honest, allowing students to speak about topics that they usually never speak about in yeah. English or history or math, um, maybe, maybe, maybe very rarely science, they would say the word penis or vagina. <laughs> um, it's incredibly refreshing for them. 
So there are plenty of laughs, and, and which we really encourage. Um, but like I said, teens are really curious. Um, so to be able to provide them with, with the opportunity to talk about porn and sex and vaginas, um, it means that they actually have a place to ask questions instead of Dr. Google. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you find that there are ever any topics of discussion that, I guess, which is what the stigma is associated to sex ed that kind of like repulse or make people feel uncomfortable about? Or do you feel like there's a breath of fresh air more so and students are just then able to talk about things more openly and not be repulsed? Or are there still some little stigmatised challenges? Yeah, I think there are certainly challenges. Um, When it comes to these sorts of topics, um, not everyone is comfortable to talk um, about sex. Um, to talk about puberty, um, even though it's something that every single person in the whole entire world goes through, um, you think it's something people are comfortable talking about. Um, but that's okay. Um, I think it's a matter of how you facilitate uh, these conversations. Um, you can go in and, and you can make it super awkward, like sex education has been since the dawn of time. Um, or you can get on the student's level and say, hey, we were in your position not long ago. We know exactly what you're going through. We know the issues that you're facing. And I think doing that allows students to actually open up um, and probably feel a little more comfortable to, to talk about these topics. So beautiful. And when they do talk, have you ever heard really obscure or crazy questions? Like any questions that have stood out in the classroom? Oh, where to begin? Where to begin? I have got the best questions in the whole world. Oh. We, we've honestly received some of the most beautiful responses from students. Amazing. Um, and when I say beautiful, I, I mean from the heartwarming all the way um, to the innocent. Um, mm. If I had to give you one, um, we were once at an all-boys school uh, and we had a probably the most innocent year seven boy in mm. all of Australia <laughs> sitting in, in our classroom. And he had so obviously and so clearly clicked onto one too many uh, Google links um, and he put up his hand and he, and he asked, what happens if a boy and a girl are having sex and the girl gets vaginal acid all over him? Wow. And you're like, oh, honey. And I'm like, oh. run for the hills, run for the hills, go straight. No, I didn't, I didn't, I absolutely didn't. Um, but, we, we, you know, that sort of question is so innocent but you know that's something that he's obviously worried about it um, says so much about where he's getting his education <laughs> from yeah exactly yeah. right um such an innocent question and, and so much we can take from that um both good and bad yeah. um but that that's probably one that just stands out for for the beauty of it that's incredible and just i think to wrap it up i want to know a little bit about parents so you've started Ooh, doing some adult seminars hey how yeah, have you found the reception? Good. Hello? Um, really, really good. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, yeah, our parent seminars have, have gone really well. I think parents are really scared. Um, they don't want to know what their teenage kids are up to, and yet at the same time they, they, they're trying to protect them. Um, they get a really big shock when, when I tell them that 80% of um, young teenagers are viewing pornography, either oh, incidentally no. or on purpose. Um, but certainly not their children, by no means no, their no. children. <laughs> um, you know, so to, to open their eyes and to kind of give them a little insight into, 
into what life looks like for a 2018 teenager, mm. um, I think it, it's probably the benefits outweigh um, anything that, that they're scared of. I think final thoughts. Kids, they know a lot, okay? They do. They're, they're viewing a lot. <laughs> I guess there's a lot of stimuli. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess what we should be trying to do is really target that information and that need for curiosity and intrigue in the right areas and directions, which is amazing because that's what you're doing. Yeah. So props to you, Dan. You, you bloody Thank king you of the so kids. Much. That's what you are. <laughs> Thank you well, so I much for speaking to us. Amazing things on the station, and you certainly have a, a new number one fan. Oh, thanks, Dan. <laughs> Um, if you guys do want to catch up on what Elephant Ed is up to, they do have an Instagram. It's Elephant Ed. There's a website. If you are just intrigued and want to learn about the ins and outs of sex education, even as an adult, because it's all so relevant, do check out the Instagram. The handles are fantastic. And, Dan, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the show tonight. Hope you thank enjoy you, the Peter, rest of your Annie. evening. Thank you, no worries. Thank you so much, guys. No worries. Thank you. Got a question? Hit us up at the thenaughtyrootshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. And that was We Appreciate Power by Grimes. You're listening to The Naughty Root Show on Sid Nation. My name's Danny. I'm joined by Katie and Peter. Yo. We're drawing to the end of the show, which is very, very sad, but it's been fun. Yeah. We've talked religion. We've had a fun phone interview. We talked sexcapades. Yeah. We uh, had some Tumblr questions. Guys, what a fun time. Yeah. What a riveting episode. If you haven't been tuned in from the get-go though, we do have some great news. We will be uploading the episode in the next few days and if you do want to catch up on that, you can do so at sin.org.au just by looking up The Naughty Rude Show or wherever you get your podcasts, it's uploaded to Omni as well, so look out for that one. Yeah, and make sure to join us live Mm -hmm. next week because we'll be here. We will. We'll be here. Some of us will be queer and we'll be doing the Naughty Root Show. The majority will be queer. Yeah. Yeah. Peter's outnumbered. (laughs) Oh, yeah, true. True. It's like you may say the devil's water ain't so sweet, but you can dip your feet every so often. 100%. Yes, it's fun. Hey, Katie. What are we doing to wrap up the show tonight? We're going to be doing some filthy faves. Are we? Yes. Yes, we are. What my filthy fave is like, I was really excited about it. Um, We played her, I think, a couple, like last week, actually. It's only been a week. Um, We played Brooke Candy, who has, I think she's in New Zealand right now, actually. So she's nearby. But um, she just wrapped up a tour of Southeast Asia. And she went to Japan and performed her set while suspended in Shibari, which is (laughs) Japanese bondage. So she was tied up. There was a like a shibari master there who like tied her in properly, and she was like suspended in this web of red rope. And you can see it on Instagram. I would highly recommend it looking incredible. at it. Yeah. It's utterly incredible, and she does some amazing shows, and is like really sex positive, really queer positive, just like all around, babe. Go and girl. Really interesting. So that's my f- that's my filthy fave of the week. And I may touch on bondage next week, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. I'm trying to think of my filthy fave for this week. Um, it could just be filthy and fave episode of my life. So, <laughs> story of my life. It's not really a particular person, and I'm not going to celebrate it as such, but I think it's pretty filthy. <laughs> there was, like, a rumour spreading about me and a friend of mine that we, like, slept together. And oh. how filthy is that? Like, That's I'm 21. Filthy. What is this? Is this what high school? Yeah, I know. Excuse so me? filthy. Um, but also at the same time, I'm kind of flattered. Like, 
you know, thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. Like, I know I'm mm. that bitch. But... but you know what's really funny <laughs> is that this is the fave aspect. So that night I literally passed out on a couch and was the first one to go home at like kick-ons after a hectic 21st. <laughs> and yet I was the one considered to have been getting cheeky. So wow. bit of a filthy fave from the real-life archives of P2P. Mm-hmm. Have you discussed it with the friend with yeah. whom your roommate was? He came up to me and he's like, lol, so we had sex last week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that I was is- like, oh, I don't remember. Could be true, though. Like, so what happened? And he's like, oh, no, so-and-so it has been spreading rumours because people just presumed it was true. And I think that's real funny. And you're just like, guys, I've never you been bored? part of a rumour before. Yeah, I don't know if I have either. I think I have, but... Usually not having sex with people, though. Usually just being an idiot. That's not really a rumour. That's just accurate. (laughs) They got me. They got me. Um, With this segment, I'm going to keep true to form. I don't have a filthy faith, but I have a fan faith. Because you are a wholesome cinnamon. I know. (laughs) Um, I don't know if anyone has heard of the young actress called Josie Toda. Um, she's a young actress. I think she's about 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, to be honest, I've never seen any of her work. <laughs> but I've seen a lot oh, of yeah, um, like uh, chat talk show interviews. Mm-hmm. And I also follow her on Instagram. And I think it was earlier this year she came out as transgender. Aww. And she's just Bless. owned it. And um, she's sort of, I think, after she announced, um, after she came out publicly, she sort of took a bit of a break from, you know, social media, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then she came back, I think, maybe about a month or two later. And ever since, she's just been owning it, just posting. The bleach hair is a fab. I know. How good is it? She looks great. And she, um, yeah, just, like, owns herself, celebrates who she is. And she's also just really funny and witty. Like, there's interviews with her when I think she was, like, 14 or 15. Like, she's got, like... A smart mouth. Yeah. She's just like running rings around the interviewers. She's just like, I got it. I got yeah. this. Just settle down. Um, like the TV show that I know that she's in is called Champions, mm-hmm. which I haven't actually, actually seen, but I can tell just from like seeing little clips of her and things like she's funny. And Sass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this show also stars Mindy Kaling, who's hilarious. Yes. Yes. So I reckon on my holidays, I'm going to get around that show. This is on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Cool. Because I knew I saw it somewhere. I'm mm-hmm. going to pay more attention now. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'm going to get get around it and mm-hmm. then um, I reckon it's going to be a quality show. Yeah. But yeah, that's my little... Um, we'll go with fan fave for fan this week. Fave hopefully I'll have a filthy fave for next week. Have a rumour for next week. Yeah. That'll be cool. Get dirty. Everyone get dirty, boy. <laughs> um, so load us up um, through... <laughs> Peter. <laughs> Sorry. With the innuendos. I told you I'm thirsty. <laughs> load us up. Once a podcast has become available, please stay up to date and binge any of the Naughty Rude shows that we've done together as a group over the last three weeks now. Um, they're all up and available on sin.org. And, of course, you can just slip into our Tumblr and get your questions ready for next week. Uh, it can be absolutely anything at all. So that is naughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Noise. Thanks, guys, for tuning into the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. We'll see you again next week. See you Bye. guys. So, so, so skinless.